This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn more about Reynolds' online retailing approach by visiting reyrey.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's R-U-I-R-U-I.com slash retail anywhere. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, August 26, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... A dashboard turf war is brewing between Apple and automakers. Porsche puts a big dollar sign on its upcoming IPO. And Warren Buffett is bullish on driverless trucks. Plus, a look at why so many in the service and parts industry think the customer satisfaction index needs to be changed. We're leaving an empty database of 99% of what this advisor is actually doing in real day uh, life of an advisor. You're creating processes for 1% of business. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Apple's new version of CarPlay is designed to take over every screen on the dashboard. It will replace user interfaces and controls while gaining access to crucial vehicle and driver data. It's likely to set up a showdown with automakers, which are reluctant to give up such valuable real estate. Where drivers view extending iPhone functions into the dashboard as a matter of convenience, automakers and tech companies see a big dollar battleground. McKinsey estimates that vehicle data will be worth up to $400 billion annually by 2030. Fortune Business Insights predicts the global connected car market will grow from nearly $60 billion in 2021 to more than $190 billion in 2028. There's more on the story at autonews.com and on the front page of the upcoming print edition of Automotive News. The dashboard isn't the only technological conundrum for automakers. New tech is also a big driver of consumer complaints when those features don't work as expected. A new J.D. Power study says car buyers routinely punish automakers for car technologies that don't meet expectations. But they will also credit automakers when those innovations work well. The survey says that ease of use is crucial for the acceptance and adoption of new automotive technologies. It also found that auto dealers play a key role in ensuring car buyers understand and use the latest innovations. We now have a likely dollar amount on Porsche's upcoming IPO. Bloomberg reports that the German sports car brand has lined up investor interest at a valuation of as much as $85 billion. That would be one of Europe's biggest ever listings, People familiar with the matter say the IPO is poised to go ahead despite market headwinds. They say Porsche plans to announce its intention to float in Frankfurt in the first week of September after a supervisory board sign-off. That's barring any unexpected market shocks. And although billionaire Warren Buffett is famously uneasy about investing in tech stocks, his company seems to be diving into the promise of driverless trucking. Pilot Co., which is owned by Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, is taking stake in autonomous trucking startup Kodiak Robotics. Pilot will get one of Kodiak's five board seats and is now the largest strategic investor in the company. The investment amount and percentage of ownership were not disclosed. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, in our two top stories, I'm seeing something here. Automakers want the latest and greatest technology for their consumers, right? But they need tech companies, and tech companies know this. But it seems like 
automakers only want tech companies only maybe take so much space in the automotive world. Why can't they just work together? You know, the automakers would rather just go it alone if they could. But in some cases, they just can't provide the same user experience. The problem is who gets the user's data? The automakers spend a lot of money to get customers, bring them into dealerships, sell them an expensive vehicle, and they want to maintain that relationship and maximize the value of that data. But of course, Apple and Google are already intimately involved in consumer life and are reluctant to give up those relationships and they want to extend them into the vehicle and out onto the road. So it's a perpetual challenge in the industry. I mean, Jamie, Apple could take their ball and go home and put it in their Apple car. Yeah, we'd be waiting a while for that one. You ain't never lie. Coming up, more and more service departments are looking for a better way to track customer retention than customer surveys. We'll hear from the co-host of Service Drive Live about why that is next on Daily Drive. Customer wants to sign documents remotely? No problem. Customer wants to provide documentation and their driver's license in person? No problem. Customer wants to have their vehicle delivered? No problem. There are a lot of steps to complete a car deal, but what happens when customers start online and end in store, or vice versa? You need a seamless, consistent process to start work and finalize every vehicle purchase, no matter where the customer is. Chris Walsh, president of Reynolds & Reynolds, explains how. Retail Anywhere is, is powered by the retail management system. So the retail management system is the engine you know, that kind of makes this all work. And it's based on the premise that customers can be anywhere, right? They can be in-store, they can be at home, they can be a hybrid of both. It doesn't really matter, but it's a single process of interacting with that customer. And that's, you know, really important to be consistent in that way. And it's only achievable through a single system like the retail management system. Regardless of where the customer is buying from and how, Retail Anywhere focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this holistic approach to digital retailing, visit rayray.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Dealership service departments are increasingly saying that the Customer Satisfaction Index, or CSI, is a broken, inaccurate, and outdated way to track customer happiness. They say it can also lead to undue stress and mental health challenges to service advisors who often rely on good scores for bonuses or even to keep their jobs. Senior editor Dan Shine spoke with Joe Chambers, Operations Director at International Autos, and Eric Houdigie, Service Manager at International Autos, about how CSI can be improved to better reflect customer satisfaction and retention. Chambers and Houdigie also host the web show, Service Drive Live. Here's their conversation. Joe and Eric, thank you for joining me on the Fixed Ops Friday edition of Daily Drive. Hey, thanks a lot, Dan. Appreciate being here. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. So... Back in early in the summer, I, I saw an interesting Carlisle company uh, service manager survey. They talked a little bit about how CSI is kind of driving service advisors the way you guys on your Service Drive Live show tackled the topic uh, earlier in the summer. What did you hear from people and why do they think uh, that CSI has outlived its effectiveness? Well, I, I got to be honest with you. I think it's with all of the different avenues, you can attract opinions and uh, results from people's experiences today. 
Uh, I think CSI is, it's a snapshot in time based off of one experience from a limited group of people when I think there's a lot better avenues to really gauge a wider group of people and opinions. And I, and that was really the, the concept that everybody delivered on Service Drive Live. Um, from my standpoint, one of the things that I look at is what is the response rate and what's the accurate number and the amount of responses that we're getting that we're measuring advisors on the type of service they're providing. It's a big difference. Uh, I mean, we're talking as little as 1% of responses mm -hmm. and we're leaving an empty database of 99% of what this advisor is actually doing in real day uh, life of, a, of an advisor. You're creating processes for 1% of your business. Yeah. And it just, it seems inaccurate. You know, if a part's delayed, customer gets upset, the advisor takes the brunt of that, even though he had nothing to do with it or she had nothing to do with it. Right. Um, it just it doesn't seem like it's an accurate portrayal of, of the work that an advisor does. Well, no, and it's not. It's not fair to the advisor, especially in today's world with the logistic issues and everything like that you have. There's a lot of times when you get surveys and that just and they're not fair to the advisor. And unfortunately, in our line of work, it pretty much all falls on the advisor if the survey is bad. If it's good, everybody takes the you know, everybody gets the love. But if it's bad, it all falls on the advisor even though they might not have had to do much of it. Doesn't excuse the advisor for poor performance whatsoever. Variables are also increasing. The demand is, is increasing as well from not only the manufacturer expectations, but the customer expectations. The only thing that we are doing is just making it harder on the person who's responsible for providing the experience. So that unfairness feeling is rising uh, just as much. And the exit button is easy. And drive, yeah, the exit button, driving people out. And kind of even more kind of troubling aspect of CSI has come more to light, I think, in recent months and years, that this, there's a mental health aspect to this as well. And I'm curious about maybe what you guys have heard. If you're, if a service advisor's livelihood is riding on this, you know, kind of ineffective survey, it can be very stressful. And so I'm kind of curious what you heard uh, from people on your show. You got to take that one. <laughs> uh, you're speaking to one. I live with the phone in my hand, laptop open if I can. Wake up in the middle of the night to check and see, and you got to see one of them. Mm -hmm. um, it will ruin your day. It will just completely destroy whatever you have going on. Middle of dinner, uh, because now some of them are even live. Middle of a birthday party, whatever it is, and you, if that light comes on, I mean, we're passionate about service. You're not going to ignore it. You're going to see it. And unfortunately, what that does to the rest of the day. It might only be that one day, but that one day starts to add up over time and it becomes 10, 20. And next thing you know, that stress is, you can't help it. You're going to look and you're going to wake up. And at some point you have to start looking at what is it doing to me? How am I feeling? Uh, call it chest pains, anxiety, you name it, it happens. Well, and if an advisor, if we place so much pressure on this score and the stress level for the advisor rises and rises and rises, is the advisor going to be acting in the customer's best interest or are they going to be acting in the best interest of getting that score? And they're not always the same. Yeah. So if you and I and decide, hey, this needs to go, who's, where does that decision lie? Is that if the manufacturer would have to say, yeah, maybe it's time. Is that where the ultimate decision is? Yeah, it's going to be at the manufacturer level. I mean, you know, a dealer is not, there's too much money tied to it at a lot of stores, a lot of franchises. There's money tied to it. It's got to come from the manufacturer level. And I'm not saying eliminate CSI. 
I'm saying change it to a reasonable measurement system and then tackle it that way. But it's not going to happen until the manufacturers realize that. What would you do to replace it? Or how would you suggest that it be altered so that there is still a good way to kind of measure a customer's happiness, a customer retention? If it's not like the CSI we know today, how can it be tweaked or improved? Well, Dan, you can definitely measure it by retention because customers are coming back. They're coming back because they want to, especially in urban areas. Now, that gets a little bit difficult in rural areas where there's only one dealer or that sort of stuff. But in the vast majority of dealers do have competition in their, you know, in their backyard. So you could measure it by that. But there's also other companies out there that take all of the social media um, reviews and everything like that. And they can compile scores to better gauge the dealership as well and the performance of the dealership. As far as retention goes, if the customer's coming back, that's what we're looking for. There's a reason. That's the ultimate goal here is to create repeat business. And if they're buying more cars within the same brand, that's even better. You know, our goal is to make sure the vehicle is repaired, make sure the customer's satisfied, but most importantly, make sure they come back. That can be measured. Yeah, brand loyalty, dealer loyalty, those things are definitely measurable. And maybe retention gives us a better shot at it because right now in fixed operations, at least we lose 70% of our customers. Not to mention that when it comes to retention, that's the long game and that's the future game. With the current system right now, we are working based off of a very short amount of data with historical actions. And right now what we're working with with retention is the long game, what's happening to the customer six, 12, 18 months down the road. And on top of that, that's such a big amount of data or real data is the biggest thing. Yeah, you're proactively trying to get those folks back in the door. So and that's always the name of the game, right? It's just get the customers back. If they're coming back, then you know you're doing something right. And right. And kind of getting back to CSI too, it's you and I know that the ones who are most upset are going to be the ones who are filling out the bad surveys. If you're mostly happy, you just kind of go along with your way and you don't really say anything, you know, but if you're I think you're going to hear complaints if if the customer is upset. So it's a tough business. It is. Yeah. yeah. When's the last time you got a phone call for somebody doing something right? Right. Yeah. You know, they do happen, but they're rare. So uh, before we leave, uh, give us a quick, where can people find uh, Service Drive Live if they want to come catch your show? Uh, what's the best way they can do that? Well, Dan, I appreciate that. They can definitely, our biggest forum right now is LinkedIn. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, I believe. Right. And all they need to do is reach out and we will answer. I am all over the place on LinkedIn, as is Eric. And we have a Service Drive Live page on LinkedIn that they can go to, DM us, and we'll make sure that they can get on the show. Great. Joe and Eric, uh, appreciate the conversation. And uh, thanks again. Thanks again. Thank you for having us, Dan. Joe Chambers and Eric Houdigy are with International Autos and co-hosts of the web show Service Drive Live. They spoke with our own Dan Schein. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on fixed ops, new tech, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back on Monday for a conversation about Ford's last new gasoline-powered Mustang and what that says about the company's EV ambitions. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.